Hey guys, so we're back for part two with Louise. Um, as you've last our previous conversation, we talked about Afrochella, why people should come to Ghana for 2021-2022 um, holiday season. But I wanted us to get into more into Louise, who she is, what she does, her business, living in South Africa, why she lives in South Africa, what it's like to be in South Africa as a West African and doing business and a little bit on the xenophobia and the racism that happens in Africa, in South Africa. So Louise, tell us a little bit, I know you have a business called The Brand Conversationalist. I've also noticed that you started doing clothing as well. So can you tell us a little bit about The Brand Conversationalist and a little bit about your your clothing line as well, Madame Four? Sure, so Brand Conversationalist um, is a consultancy started off as a one-man band, <laughs> um, literally because I enjoy talking, I enjoy mm-hmm. listening, um, and the function of it is brand strategy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't just stop there. So brand strategy, including brand psychology, mm-hmm. which I think was something that was actually quite needed. Um, and then when we got into our COVID lockdown and everything else, it became so much more apparent. So, you know, understand your brand, understand who you are and how best to communicate. That's mm-hmm. it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing that for a few years um, and it's mostly focused on digital creative brands mm-hmm. um, it kind of ended up that way I think maybe because I'm a creative and I studied fashion mm-hmm. um, which can kind of segue me into your other question mm-hmm. which is what's Madame Fou? Mm-hmm. so Madame Fou is um, my fashion line it's women's wear for now just because I kept getting you know every <laughs> the guys in my life were like hey you know, Lou, we love your stuff. What about us? I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> At least master something first. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I've always studied fashion. I've always been within that 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 field and that realm. Um, and Madame, for specifically, it started during lockdown. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're all sort of staring at our walls, mm-hmm. wondering what we're doing. Um, and I, you know, I kept seeing my mannequin mm-hmm. that was in my room. I've always had fabric somewhere, so I started draping again. Um, and it was kind of just born literally from a dream. I was like, okay, I had the name, I had what I'm going to do. Um, and my damp was actually a Ghanaian word from the tree language. It just mm-hmm. means my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was born literally 2020. That's when I started on my birthday in October. That's, that is a great way to enter into the new year and start in a clothing line. So you know? right now you're just, I, I've seen your dresses or you're, mm-hmm. you know, and is it for all body types or are you focused on a specific body type and what's not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really good question, actually, because the whole purpose of the brand is inclusivity and understanding the female form. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about my friend, you know, what you assume a friend to be is somebody who's always there for you. Mm-hmm. So if your clothing makes you feel good, makes you look good, then it should be able to make you feel the best that you can ever be so dress to impress mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to dress up every day but mm-hmm. when you do you kind of feel good um so the first sort of bread and butter mm-hmm. I actually implemented is called the Untama Untama wrap mm-hmm. um and Untama again is another Ghanaian word a true word specifically it means I suppose you could say cloth mm-hmm. um so this particular Untama wrap is something that wraps around your body mm-hmm. so if you can imagine something wrapping is going to envelope the female form is going to enhance the female form 
but it's for all body shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, if you have an apple shape, you are pear shaped, you are just a slender, <laughs> you can still wear it. <laughs> um, it fits around all forms, which I think was the, I think it was a good thing to have come out with first. Mm-hmm. So it's just to say it's inclusive, inclusive sizes. Because it's a lot of us are, you know, we look at our shape I, as a woman, mm. look at your shape. And you know Mm -hmm. where you have your curves, but sometimes you do not know how to accentuate those curves, you know? And so you end up wearing clothing that is very boxy. I know I'm the queen of always boxing myself in because um, I don't want to show off the areas that I do not like. Um, And the areas that I do like, I find that they're too much. And then, mm-hmm. you know, coming from our background and our culture, everybody's like, hey, why are you showing these things? And yes, this cleavage. Always, like, the one day you work, like, people don't even understand. Like, sometimes when I show cleavage, it is not intentional. It is because it's the the it, just, it just doesn't know how to hide itself. But then that's yeah. the way that everybody makes you feel, like, so aware of you mm-hmm. showing off. So seeing, I saw your outfit and I'm just like, I don't care whether you are, you know, as you said, a slender or you are like, you know, it will definitely make you look sexy. And mm-hmm. I also like the fact that it's a dress that you could easily wear to the office mm-hmm. with a blazer. And then mm-hmm. after work, you can take off the blazer, put on your hoop earrings mm-hmm. and your bangles mm-hmm. with your heels and you're out in the street. Yeah. Or you mm-hmm. can go to a wedding and you can wear it. Like it is so versatile and mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Where Thank can you. people get your dress? Is it just online or are there specific stores that you can find it? Where are you? So like you said, because it's so brand new, that's my progression point. So mm-hmm. 2022, so crazy to say that. Mm-hmm. 2022 is when I actually want to say, okay, stock is available here and also website. So for now, everything is literally on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if anyone goes to, I actually called it Madame for Dot Lux. Okay. Um, so it's an affordable luxury brand. So anyone who goes to Instagram, they'll find it there. And if you're a Facebook lover, also same thing, mm-hmm. Madame for Lux. And it's, you ship to every country in the world or? Yeah. So the nice thing is whatever DHL goes is obviously where the brand can go. Okay. And do you make it yourself or do you have people that actually make it and what is the turnaround time to get an an outfit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I design everything Mm -hmm. um and I have pattern makers and I have seamstresses and tailors okay um the nice thing is you know I can actually put that stamp on it say it's made in Africa which I'm so happy about Mm -hmm. you always see made in somewhere else but for once made in Africa (laughs) um so uh the progression point again is to say that you know everything was actually made to order Mm-hmm. And I say that meaning um, you place an order, then you can ship straight away. Mm-hmm. But with that model, I'm like, no, how best can I be sustainable even if I haven't got the eco-friendly fabrics yet? Mm-hmm. So now everything's pre-order. So okay. I've got time frames where you can order something and mm-hmm. then your turnaround time might be two to slash four weeks, depending okay. on where you're in the world. Okay. Um, but that's always, you know, communicated to you. So you have to basically send in your measurements or they go by sizes and what's not? Yeah, so the difference between um, being bespoke and pre-order mm-hmm. is the fact that the items are actually there and listed. So you've got a design that's already listed, mm-hmm. and then you find your size and you purchase your size. Okay. So it's not a bespoke um, fashion brand. 
Okay. So it is like, you know, sometimes depending on where you live and dif- different stores, size two mm-hmm. in one store might not be yeah, size two in another store. Mm-hmm. So how are people able to say, okay, if I buy mm-hmm. from Madame Four, I know, and I'm a size 14, I'm definitely getting mm-hmm. a size 14 and I'm not mm-hmm. now having to go size up or size down. Mm-hmm. So with this, there's a one step just for the customer, which usually you get told try and avoid. But with this one, I just do it for safety because it's such a small brand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if anyone's able to get a friend or yourself just to ensure you measure. Mm-hmm. So I've got a size guide available. And if you just take that one step to measure, you've got your bust measurement, you've got your waist measurement, hips and whatever else is needed, then you know what size you relate to. Okay, that's that's cool because it's very like, especially now with online ordering, it makes it so difficult because mm-hmm. you're basically, even though sometimes like there's a store that I buy from online and mm-hmm. I will always choose a size based on the measurement. And then when you it mm-hmm. comes, sometimes it's either mm-hmm. too big or too small and you're like, mm-hmm. so what size am I? And right. it's just so um, disheartening. So it's good to know that, you know, at least based on your measurements, you're for mm-hmm. sure going to get the size that you ordered from and what's mm-hmm. not. Um, I want to think also something to make it a bit easier. The type of items that I make, mm-hmm. you don't have to have a second skin except for the wrap. So mm-hmm. you can kind of, it's forgivable. So if you're slightly too big or slightly too small, you're not going to feel like you're either squished or, you know, looking oversized. Okay, that's important because there's some dresses like I, I'm I'm not a fan of the wrap dress myself because I always feel like mm-hmm. I'm big, like I just it just shows off my belly area. Much. But mm-hmm. I realize that maybe I'm not getting the right sizes or getting mm-hmm. a wrap dress because apparently wrap dresses are flatter and um, flattering for all body types. So maybe yeah, that's getting... what first of all told us. <laughs> that's what she said. So I'm like, <laughs> but why is it that every time I wear, I get so self-conscious, but I guess it depends on the style and how yeah. skinny or slim the wrap string is or whatever you call it, just so that it makes yeah. your shape flattering but um mm-hmm. it'll I'm just really I really hope to purchase one of your outfits because it really looks cute and thank you I'll bring it to Ghana for you you can try we'll try yes it yes please <laughs> yes please yes um I wanted to go back a little bit because we didn't really talk mm-hmm. much about your business the brand conversationalist you said um mm-hmm. you deal with digital brands so what are mm-hmm. digital brands are they individuals like um, Instagram celebrities or what's not, or is it companies that are just e-commerce based businesses mm-hmm. or what's not? Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a sphere. So it, it crosses both. And um, mm-hmm. when I say digital brand, I just mean that really, as we catch up, we're all doing things in our businesses as digital first. Mm-hmm. So when you think about things, you think about how am I going to actually penetrate the digital sphere? Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's an individual, like I just got approached um, last month, Mm-hmm. A lady wants to sort of rebrand herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a an actress, a VJ, and an MC. Okay. Um, and so she wants to position herself in that way because she does all these things on Netflix. She's on various programs, mm-hmm. but she wants to be digital first. Mm-hmm. So that's something you take into consideration. And then, you know, if we talk about a brand like an Afrochella, we know it's an in-person event, but to keep the conversation, the community going, you need to be digital first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, another example could be um, a furniture brand. It's a sustainable, mm-hmm. ethical furniture brand based in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they're e-commerce based. So, you know, you actually ask the question correctly because it is 
brands that are e-commerce as well, because naturally, again, everyone's digital first. Right. So whether they want to be or don't want to be, you can't step away from anything digital, as we know. Yeah. And I think 2020 taught us that if you're not digital, you're not going to survive the pandemic right. because, exactly. you know, we all just stayed home. And um, I noticed that in Ghana, there was a, actually it was on Vanessa Camby's show, this guy who started a digital business of personal assistants and social media consultants and whatnot, and his business grew within six months. So it is, oh, wow. it's very important now that if you are a brand or a company, you're digital based. So do you just work with South African companies or are you looking are you looking to um are you just based in South Africa or do you work I meant you mentioned the UK but are you also global or what is your who where is your area of focus in terms of Mm -hmm. demographics so interestingly it's actually the opposite it's actually more global and more outside of South Africa even that's my current base Mm-hmm. So that's been something for my 2021 to actually focus and see about South African brands. I mean, mm-hmm. where you live is what you should eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, the majority of my focus, um, not even on purpose, interestingly, but it's been international. So outside of the South Africa. Okay. Now let's talk about South Africa for a little bit. I know your mm-hmm. family, your parents live in South Africa. Is that what drew you to move to South Africa? Because you were based in the UK. Is it the UK or the US you were? Both. So U- US for college and then went back to the UK. You went back to the UK, but you also have mm-hmm. lived in Ghana as well. So mm-hmm. what made you move to South Africa instead of maybe going to Ghana or maybe staying in the UK or going back to the US? Why mm-hmm. South Africa? Yeah, it's literally because of my parents. Um, Sad to say, but (laughs) okay, now it's on the map. But at the time that I'd come, it wasn't one of the countries I'd actually ever considered going to. Mm -hmm. I used to joke, like, you know, you know, Kazakhstan, Um, I'd never (laughs) considered there. I'd also never considered South Africa at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, you know, saying that now, everyone would be like, what? Because it's on the map with the music, the food, everything else. But that time, prior or pre- um, world cup it wasn't necessarily on people's lips mm-hmm. um so i literally came just to visit because my parents were here just to see where they where they're living and then you ended up staying yeah Charlie, i stayed <laughs> <laughs> world cup happened amazing energy amazing people and i thought wow mm-hmm. um obviously holiday mode is different but i applied for a job got the job and then i stayed how is living in south africa like because i have i think the second time i came to south africa I was mm-hmm. between whether moving to Canada or moving to South Africa. And, oh, no way. and the reason why Canada won was because I'm a citizen. So it was just easier. And my siblings yeah. lived here. So I didn't have to worry about accommodation, all of that jazz. But coming back to South Africa in this past September made me realize that that desire hasn't died. So mm. I've been in this space again where I'm like, do I leave Canada? Because I'm not really feeling our government right now. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, am I just leaving because I saw those pretty houses and, you know, living in Cape Mm -hmm. being in Cape Town is very like beautiful and Mm -hmm. all that. But um, what would you say about living in South Africa? What is 
the pros and cons and would you mm-hmm. advise anyone to move to South Africa if they were considering it? Mm-hmm. So South Africa is what they consider to be the rainbow nation. That's what people, you know, said. Or good old Desmond Tutu said it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have got a multitude of various races, a multitude of various cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, that multitude of cultures is South African. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, coming as an external foreign national from another African country, it is a bit different. Mm. So first thinking is, oh, it's amazing because it's like Rainbow Nation, there's so much happening. And holiday mode is different because Mm. you don't have the same touch points as when you live somewhere. Mm -hmm. So when you start to live in the country, depending on the individuals you interact with, um, the communities you roll in, Mm -hmm. you may have different, um, different occurrences that you may not have seen when you were on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the cons come into it. Mm-hmm. That might be something like, you know, what keeps rearing its head every so often um, called xenophobia. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hadn't heard of the term until I moved here, interestingly. <laughs> it wasn't coined in South Africa, but for some reason it's more prevalent here. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, it's not to say that it's only South Africa's problem because it's just another form of nationalism. Mm-hmm. You know, it happened with Trump, Trump, Trumpism, as we can call it, happened mm-hmm. in Germany. It's been around. But it's just that obviously me living here, my assumption and feeling wasn't my black brothers and sisters. I wouldn't expect to feel it from you. Mm-hmm. So you have experienced xenophobia yourself? I can say yes and no, because no meaning the extremity it can go to. I have not even been close to experiencing it, mm-hmm. um, but more so hearing the conversations around it. That's mm-hmm. more so how I've experienced it. But me personally, um, maybe once or twice only of a learn the language kind of thing, a security guard shouting at me, thinking I'm pretending to speak English or mm-hmm. something like that. But it's not a major issue. Mm-hmm. But it's more of the conversations you hear or the things you see happen um, in certain communities. But once again, because of where I work and what I do, I'm not being labelled as stealing anyone's job. Right. I know I when I got to, when I was checking, flying out of um, Cape Town, um, the security, the immigration or whatever you call um and the US will call it TSA so the yeah yeah people they started to speak to me and I don't know whether it was Zulu or Osa or um Afrikaans yeah and I was like um sorry I'm not South African I'm flattered you think I look South African but I'm not South African <laughs> and then you could tell he was irritated by it but I was like yeah. I don't think uh in my head that if a black person came into Ghana at immigration and they started speaking tree to them, they will assume that this person mm-hmm. is Ghanaian, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to say that they expect you to speak the language when, when you know that the main language or the first language is English, just like in most mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. parts of that, parts of Africa, English is our first language, but when you don't speak it, it is, you know, like, you know, I, I experienced that with the French here in Canada, where if you walk into a store, they start speaking French and you're like, I'm not French. They either ignore you or they walk away from you or they expect you to like, or they cuss you out. <laughs> like, <laughs> So then it's a similar, yeah. And it's a similar experience in that sense. So it's not everywhere, but the times you do feel it is there. It's there. So um, we, we heard in, I think, let me go back, maybe 2019, where it was big with the, I hear the Nigerians and then the South Africans 
kind of clashed. Um, and that's when it was like, all of a sudden South Africa was not safe. There was this rift, even it became governmental because like, you know, Nigerians and, and um, South Africans were clashing for whatever reason. Um, you think that the media either hyped up that situation bigger than it was, or was it something where you as an Af West African feared for your life as being maybe Nigerian or whatever? Because we kind of look like Nigerians, all of us and vice versa. So did you ever feel like there was that fear that you could be targeted as um, Nigerian during that time? Or was it just media doing what it does best? <laughs> I think it's twofold. Media definitely always stirs the pot, mm -hmm. um, but there was you know, there was rumblings. There was definitely rumblings because you, you things were happening and it wasn't just Nigeria, it was Somali. It was, you know, what we call foreign nationals. Mm -hmm. um, and here the term is always foreigner. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately it almost comes across like a swear word now because mm -hmm. to say foreigner almost seems like a negative. Mm -hmm. It just means you're from another country. Um, so again, it's the same thing that was happening around the world in other countries. But for some reason, when it's Africa, it's always that much more negative. You know, when you think about even what's happening in the UK, the times of football, mm -hmm. the World Cup didn't come back. Um, but then what happens? It's the Africans who are now suddenly called African, even though they're British nationals, you know. So it's the same thing that happens in and around the world. But when it is in Africa, it's almost like a wow, things are that much worse. Mm -hmm. um, so it's twofold. It was bad, but then the media was stirring the pot at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and fearing for my life, no. Um, again, because of the, let's say, the circles I I work in, mm -hmm. um, the type of environment I live in, mm -hmm. um, more than likely, it's not going to be the same conversations that are taking place. Mm -hmm. um, as you can imagine, you've got sort of spheres of life and circles in life. So I'm not going to be told by the next person, you've taken my job because I myself am not a labourer. You know, so if I'm a skilled worker or skilled individual, it's not going to be the same conversation or the same attack. So it's mostly like that's where you've stolen my job is mostly amongst like lower position jobs, or I should say laborers, cleaners, what's not, as opposed to in corporate South Africa. Yeah, more than likely, just because you can imagine like the rest of the world, that's what happens in the UK, mm -hmm. you know, the times that we're talking about you know, Eastern Europeans coming through, taking all of our jobs. I mean, it's the same sort of thing. So yes, it could be, you know, other foreign nationals, other Africans, let's say it could be Zimbabwe, could be Somalis who tend to have the majority of the shops, mm -hmm. um, like the shops in the townships. Um, the Zimbabweans may tend to be in restaurants or um, painters or, and then because of that, you know, you can take jobs that are slightly lower in pay because you know you need the job. And they're going to do it and do it well. Mm -hmm. But what is preventing South Africans in those positions from working and getting doing those jobs that they feel like it's being stolen from them? Because at the end of the day, um, the jobs are available. So at least in those areas, why don't they get those jobs like the others do? Yeah. So I suppose like everything that it's just it's a, it's a bigger conversation than mm -hmm. just this moment I suppose because the population is so large mm -hmm. and the amount of jobs available is so few 
Mm-hmm. So there's a fight for those minimal jobs for one, mm-hmm. so there aren't enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And for those that are actually going around, you could argue that their pay is lower than they would want. So those who are from another country will take it. Mm-hmm. That's another. Then another would be some of the jobs in general, either people just don't want them because they don't think that's what they want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what I say. And I have a little chuckle because, you know, when my European friends ask me, but why? And I'm thinking, but when we think about it, especially me, I can talk about the UK, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone wants to be a milkman. Mm-hmm. So if there's a milkman job going around, why is that guy, Jim, mm-hmm. from next door going to go and be a milkman? In a way, it's not something he wants to do, even though the job is available. So do you know what I mean? How desperate are you is also another way you can see it. That's so true. that's not for everybody, but there's probably like, you know, four four answers to that question. Right. I mean, we saw it in the UK when they had the fuel crisis because... Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that was embarrassing. They said, well, <laughs> we want to separate ourselves from the EU and now there's no travel oh, <laughs> you know and so it's I guess it's the same everywhere because if it's here in Canada you're not going to get the average white Canadian wanting to do um clean jobs or drive an uber or you know do the menial jobs that you know foreign foreigners are more likely to do like if you have to feed your family and pay rent you don't care you're, gonna do it. you're going to do it you're going to clean toilets and what's not so yeah unfortunately I'm not saying that it's only but you tend to see at least a lot more white homeless people here in Toronto Mm. at least from my experience than you would find and then of course a few refugees and what's not because a lot of them struggle with the language so they're not going to be able to get jobs but that's few and far between but most of the time when I'm driving or get off the highway I see a white homeless person and you understand you don't understand like you have white privilege. Why is it that <laughs> you're homeless? Like you, you it's have like fairy dust. Exactly. Activate. You know, and then you're like, but I'm black. But then you think about it, and you're like, even though there might be jobs that are menial, they're not going to want to take it because there's also a pride associated with it. Whereas, yeah. you know, someone who is new to the country has to make sure that they stay legal or to feed themselves they're not going to look mm-hmm. at it as you know I'm not going to do it but oddly enough when they're back home in their countries you can't pay them to do those jobs you know that's what I was going to say because a lot of the conversations I've had with some of these foreign nationals when I arrived and it's you know mm-hmm. just find out where you're from da, da, da. that was our, our point of you know commonality we're both from somewhere where are you from mm-hmm. and they're teachers they're nurses they're whatever else back home mm-hmm. but here they do it because they need to feed their families exactly I remember in Ghana like growing up nobody wanted to work at Frankie's or at Papaya or what's not <laughs> like in our age group but then when you move to this part of the world it's like here you are McDonald's <laughs> you know we're all doing it the very jobs we won't do back home we're doing it here and so I know, it's just it's just amazing how I guess you, you have a certain pride about yourself because you're from there. You don't see why I should do it. But then the minute you leave your country and you think about it, you're like, hey, I have to do whatever I have to do to survive. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This conversation of South Africa is much more deeper because they've dealt with apartheid for God knows how many years. And there's exactly. still that remnants of 
apartheid and issues and those who went through it some of them are still very much alive so it -hmm. is a very difficult conversation but um just thinking like so for are you is it easier for people who are skilled workers to find jobs in South Africa as opposed to um you know, at least if I was to say I'm moving to South Africa today, will it be easier for me or the job market just as difficult for skilled laborers as well? No, it's definitely easier for a skilled worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that's the gap that the government needs to fill. Mm-hmm. There needs to be like an overhaul of re-education. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like in Ghana, they had those um, academies Mm-hmm. Um, there's a type you can go and become a carpenter, a plumber. Mm-hmm. I think there's just that that's missing. So that's one side. But the question whether yourself, like a skilled or corporate, there's definitely room. There's a lot of there's a lot of jobs available to be honest, because mm-hmm. there's nobody to fill them within the country, mm-hmm. or not that many. I can't say nobody. There's not that many. Well, I need to start looking because I'm like I'm a single. <laughs> like I, I keep telling my mom, I said I'm not married. I have no children. Um, there's nothing this is the time it is the time there's nothing keeping me here per se so I might as well take advantage and see what my options are and you know if life changes as I'm making that transition then whoever I'm with will just have to follow me there or (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll see what happens but um (laughs) just to just finalize like just to run everything off um what advice would you give to someone who's considering, i.e. me, moving to South Africa? <laughs> what is the one th- thing you'll say or two? I think um, check if you've got a good network just because it's so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes feel like I'm in Australia just because, you know, you think about flights and that. Yeah. So just, yeah, check if you've got a good network. So you're fine because I'm here. Yes. Um, and then... I think just understanding what you're doing. So if you're a digital nomad, fine. You can live Cape Town, Durban. You can choose a city. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a specific role and you're going to be um, office bound, Mm -hmm. then just decide what it is you're doing and check which city is rife with the industry you're going to be working in. That's the only thing. Just say South Africa, you know, where specifically would you want to be? And for, um, let's just say, Black people, which is an African country, mm-hmm. but I found it so, I got to my, like, to just, so I got to my gate at Skipple, boarding my flight to Cape Town, and I looked around and I was like, I had to check the board several times, I'm like, is this the flight to Cape Town? Because, like, why, it feels like I was on a flight back to Canada, which that flight back to Canada yes. was more diverse than Cape Town, I was like, so I had to check several times and check my phone to see if they changed the gate. And I noticed you weren't going to see them. Yes, <laughs> I was just surprised. So yeah. for someone who is black, African, mm-hmm. is there any mm-hmm. particular part of, as you said, you have to check where you're, but where would you encourage more of us to consider moving to? So if you are woke and conscious, that's one. But if you're black and adventurous, that's another. So if you're black and adventurous, Cape Town, because it's beautiful. You're going to have an amazing time. You can have your lunch breaks on the beach, Mm. go to the mountain. Amazing. That's the adventurer. If you're woke, you go to Durban because it's blackity black, black, black. Oh, wow. Um, um, But if you are chasing the money, chasing your dream, and it's mixed, then you say Johannesburg. Okay. 
I didn't even think about Durban because I felt like Durban was more Indian for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, don't get me wrong. It is very Indian in the sense that it's the highest Indian population outside of India. Oh, wow. Yeah. But out of the the quote-unquote tribes, Zulu mm-hmm. is the KZN, which is where mm-hmm. Durban is situated, mm-hmm. is blackity black, black, black. So yeah, you're going to have black, you're going to have Indian, um, but you won't have Afrikaans per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, the white population will be split between what they call English, because mm-hmm. they're English speaking, and Afrikaans. Okay. And cost of living, is re- is it easier to find a house? Because here, buying a house, you pretty much have to look at creating an OnlyFans page to be able to buy a house. Oh, yeah. That's a given. London as well. Don't even bother. Just, mm-hmm. you know, sell your first one. Mm-hmm. No, South Africa, it's a lot easier to find um, accommodation. So if you're coming with your Canadian dollars, if you're coming with whichever other currency, it's a lot, lot easier. Yeah. Um, the only thing, no, I shouldn't say a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. The ease, no, because obviously if you're not a, a national, mm-hmm. then you have to have a high deposit naturally because mm-hmm. that's their safety mechanism. That's true. Well, thank you, Louise, for coming on today. This has been really informative and I am super excited about Ghana this year for sure, for sure. And you've also given given me more vim to consider moving to South Africa because it's been on my mind and I've been all over the place and now having this conversation with you has brought me so much ease and I'm sure there's somebody out there who's also in my shoes right now it's like I'm considering mm-hmm. and hopefully <laughs> when they listen to this podcast they'll be like okay I think I can I can do this you know just mm-hmm. like you said like going to Ghana on holiday does not mean you should move to Ghana because you go and have a great time yes. <laughs> and then you think this is what Ghana is like throughout the year and then you move there and you're yeah. like no holiday mode is always different it's always <laughs> different so if you're thinking of relocating to the continent then i think you should take holiday mode aside put it in mm-hmm. the back of your head and just focus on like i'm going to experience ghana or south africa mm-hmm. or nigeria and you know mingle with the locals talk to the people there to let them tell right. you what it should be like okay. because you can be really disappointed when you go in there and you're like, it's not what you thought it would be. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for this conversation. And you're welcome. I really and I love the name of your podcast. Yeah, because yeah, my co-host is South <laughs> African. So we want oh, yeah, something that would like merge us together. So I said, well, let's talk about Fufu. I love Fufu. And I do love very, very I love cool. Pap as well. So I was like, Fufu and Pap. And that's how we came to be. <laughs> so Southern, Western come together and okay. that's how we came to be so thank you again louise and thank you everyone for tuning in don't forget to like share subscribe leave comments and we will check you out at the next podcast thanks guys Mm -hmm.